Well, good morning. My name is Nick, and I serve as the pastor of student ministries here at Fellowship Church. And if you're a first-time guest, I want to extend a special welcome to you, and thank you for joining us here this morning. So for a number of weeks, we have been working through the book of Joshua, and we're going to take a a two-week pause on that study before diving back into the book of Joshua, because you're probably wondering, why are we not in Joshua? Well, don't worry, it's part of the plan. Um, So next week, we are going to have a very special service to officially celebrate Pastor Stephen's new role as lead pastor, and we're really excited and looking forward to next week's service, and all I will say is, you don't want to miss it. It's going to be a blessing. Well, a few weeks ago at our congregational meeting where that vote took place, I shared a few verses from the book of Habakkuk that helped provide some comfort to me in the midst of this big transition that we have been on as a church. And so when the opportunity came for me to preach this morning, I thought, Maybe it might be very helpful for us to take a closer look at the life of Habakkuk because there are some really powerful truths found within this book. And maybe this is a book that you've never read before or maybe the pages are stuck together or hopefully we'll be able to dig into this together. And so that's what we're going to do this morning. And so I would invite you to, if you have a Bible with you, go ahead and pull that out and turn to Habakkuk chapter 1. Uh, Feel free to use that table of contents in the front of your Bible. And the book of Habakkuk is a couple books before the end of the Old Testament as well. So if you're looking to find that there. And as you turn to Habakkuk, I want to ask you a question to reflect on for a moment. Can you think of a time in your life when you thought to yourself, God What are you doing? And I don't mean just like, God, what are you doing? But I mean like crying out and saying, God, what are you doing? God, what are you doing? What are you doing? Well, for me, I think back to a number of years ago when I became a full-time missionary, and I was working with college students. And I remember early on getting connected with a student whose name is Abdul. And he was not a Christian, and he was not about to consider the Bible, Jesus, any of those things. But we continued to hang out more and more. We had a lot of conversations, and eventually he became curious. And so we started reading the Bible Together, and he was asking a lot of good questions, and I could tell that God was doing something in his life. It felt like he was starting to get it, and he was growing so, so fast. And it was exciting to watch. The late night text, I was just reading my Bible, and, and I found about this. What about this? What about this? And I was like, whoa. But he was excited, and he was learning and growing. And I couldn't help but think often, man, what is God going to do with his life? What is God going to do with his life? Because he is on a roll right now. Well, it was not too long after that he found out 
that he had cancer, which wrecked his world. And I remember him saying, so I start learning about God and this is what happens. I was speechless. And at the time I had no answers. So I start learning about God and this is what happens. Well, yes, less than a year later, he passed away. And I remember sitting on the floor in my apartment, crying out to God in tears. And I mean like ugly cry. God, what are you doing? Are you serious right now? This was not how this was supposed to go. This was not the plan, God. This was not the plan. Maybe you've been in a situation where you can relate to that. Maybe you currently are in a situation where you can relate to that, where you're asking the question, God, what are you doing? Well, this right here is where Habakkuk is. He's been praying for years, struggling to understand what's happening all around him, wrestling with some very unexpected detours. And so let's work through this passage again together. Let's start in verse two. So go ahead and look down at that. Verse two, he prays, O Lord, how long shall I cry for help and you will not hear? Or cry to you violence and you will not save? Well, as we step into this conversation between Habakkuk and God, it starts out with Habakkuk crying out to God and feeling as if God is silent. Have you ever felt like that? Have you ever prayed prayers that seemed like God was silent? Maybe you're praying some prayers right now and wondering, is God even listening? Well, Habakkuk has been praying these prayers for years How long shall I cry for help, cry for violence, and you will not save? This is the heart of his prayer. God, how long do I have to cry out for you to say something? How long do I have to cry out for you to do something? God, where are you? Well, what exactly is Habakkuk crying out about? Well, the people of Judah are neglecting and rejecting God's word. There's rampant violence and injustice everywhere. And even the leadership of Judah is corrupt. All the people who claimed to follow God were not actually following God. They were charging ridiculous interest to keep people trapped in debt, making money in sneaky, unbiblical ways, inhumane work practices, and partying and immoral living was the standard for leadership. And I'm sure as you read this, you can hear the frustration and heaviness to what he's saying. How long, oh Lord? Clearly, he's hurting, confused, frustrated, and angry. And I don't think you need to be a Bible scholar to see that. He's hurting. He's confused. He's angry. Let's keep reading. Verse 3. Why do you make me see iniquity? And why do you idly look at wrong? Destruction and violence are before me. Strife and contention arise. And so Habakkuk continues 
to cry out to God. Why do you keep making me watch all of this evil around me? And more than that, God, why are you looking at all of this wrongdoing and doing nothing about it? God, clearly you can see the evil and injustice happening. Why are you doing anything about it? Where are you? The nation of Judah was supposed to be a light to the nations, but this is how they're acting? And when Habakkuk looked around, all he saw was darkness when they were supposed to be a light. And he wondered where God was and why did God not set things right? Well, this is a great question. Why wasn't God do anything? Where was God? Well, you see, Habakkuk is only seeing part of the picture. Because in fact, God is doing something. He already had a plan in motion to bring justice because God is never without a plan. He's sovereign. God is always on plan A. He's sovereign. And so he only saw part of the picture because God was doing something. And so side note here, I just, I think a lot of, Christians, maybe in our culture, can use a passage like this and say something like, well, just like Habakkuk here, it's it's okay to doubt God. You know, it's it's okay to doubt. Well, I don't think we should try to normalize doubt in God. Because that's not exactly biblical. Why? Because the Bible never normalizes doubt in God. Proverbs 3 says, trust in the Lord with all of your heart. Jesus tells John in John 20, after he was resurrected, stop doubting and believe. In James 1, when asking for wisdom, James says, but when you ask, you must believe and not doubt. Because the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea blown and tossed by the wind. So we should never normalize doubt in God. And church, there's a big difference between doubt and discouragement. And saying, it's okay to doubt God, that is a lie that Satan wants us to believe. And so now, we can certainly become discouraged and confused. I'm not saying we need to be perfect, but that should propel us towards God, not away from God. Because God wants us to trust him, to look to him, to not doubt him. And look at Habakkuk's example. He runs to God. God, how long will you not do something? So in his turmoil, he runs to God, falls on his face and cries out, begging for revival, pleading for God to intervene. And so Habakkuk is wrestling with this evil and injustice all around him. And so what are his conclusions? Well, verse four, he says, so the law is paralyzed and justice never goes forth. For the wicked surround the righteous, so justice goes forth perverted. And so because of everything that Habakkuk is seeing around him, what does he conclude? The law's not working. There is no justice, and and it's all messed up. And the wicked people are surrounding the righteous. And this distressed him so much that he cried out to God and asked God, Why don't you bring judgment and correct things? 
All of this was not in Habakkuk's plan. As a prophet of God, he's saying, God, what are you doing? You taking a sick day? Where are you? Why don't you do something about this? Because this is not how this is supposed to go. And so he's broken. He's angry, feeling unheard, paralyzed, confused, pleading with God. Maybe you can relate. Perhaps that's where you are right now. Maybe you're currently in the middle of a pretty bad, unexpected detour in life. Maybe a turn that you were not expecting. And maybe as you read Habakkuk's prayer, maybe it sounds very similar to prayers that you've prayed recently. Maybe even a prayer that you prayed on your way to church this morning. Well, in the midst of his pain and anger and frustration, God steps in and he responds. And so let's see what God says. Verse 5. Look out among the nations and see, wonder and be astounded. For I am doing a work in your days that you would not believe if told. And so God says, I am doing something right now, right in front of you, something that you wouldn't believe if I told you all about it. God was at work working right in front of Habakkuk, even when he didn't see it. And that plan is one that Habakkuk wasn't going to fully comprehend. And in this prayer, we also see him wrestling with, God, do you even care about this suffering? Why are you looking at violence and not saving? Well, the answer is yes, God does care. Why? Because he already had a plan in motion to address the injustice. And church, remember, we should never think that God doesn't care. We should never think that because God cares so deeply. How dare I ever think, well, I I care more than God. God cares more about injustice in ways that we never could. And we know this truth even more clearly on this side of the cross, where we see the ultimate proof of God's care by taking care of our ultimate need. If you ever want to know, does God really care? We look to the cross. And what's important here to know in Habakkuk 1 is that it was God who was at work. And this should bring him a sense of peace and comfort because even during these dark times, God was at work. And you know what? The same is true for us today. Right now, as we sit here, God is actively at work. I want you to think about that for a second. As we are sitting here right now, God is at work. God is actively working right now. Right now. Do you hear my emphasis? He's working in our church, in our community, in our world, and in your life. And Habakkuk thought and felt that God wasn't working when, in fact, he just couldn't see how. 
God was working. And we often think and feel that God isn't working when we actually just don't see the full picture of how God is working. And I love how God says here, you wouldn't believe the plan if I told you what it was. I don't know why, but that just makes me chuckle. You wouldn't even believe the plan if I told you. How many times do we ask God for the full plan in our lives? Probably pretty frequently, right? God, if you could just give me the plan, that'd be really great. That'd make life just a lot easier. If it helps, here's my plan. If you could just take that into consideration, that would be really helpful. Right? But let's be honest. Do you think if God gave us the full plan, we'd be thrilled about it? Probably not. Because we want the plan to be easy, right? We want the plan for our life to be within our comfort zone, what we want, right? This is so often how it works here. I have this picture up on the screen here, I think. Yeah, this is what we want our plan to be, right? And that's God's plan. How many of you prayed for that top plan? And right now, maybe you're at the front end, you're in the water, you're up here, right? Our plans are very different than God's plans. Well, Pastor Nick, what about, what about verses like Romans 8, 28 that says, and we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him. Well, I mean, I love God. So that means what? Things are going to work out just fine for me. But we always forget that last part, right? who have been called according to his purpose. And I think a lot of people can take verses like this out of context and they interpret for the good as in good for me and what I want, right? But good here doesn't mean convenient or easy. I mean, how many times has God taught you valuable lessons and helped deepen your faith in the midst of very unpleasant and unexpected detours? God's goal is our sanctification to make us holy. And that refining work is not always smooth and easy. But God always uses those detours in our lives to help us become more like Christ. Why? Because we are called according to his plans and purposes. We are called to his plans and purposes. And the reassurance in the midst of life's unexpected detours that we see here in Habakkuk 1 already is this. God is always at work. He always has a plan, even if we can't see it. And those plans should leave us in awe, knowing that God's plans are good. Even if they're not easy to understand or if they're difficult to navigate. And we have to remind ourselves, who defines good here in this scenario? And so Habakkuk cries out to God in frustration and God finally answers him. Don't worry. I have a plan. I am doing a work right now in your days. And you wouldn't believe the plan if I told you. Well, God gives him some of the plan. Let's read. What's the plan? Verse six. For I am, for behold, I am raising up 
the Chaldeans, that bitter and hasty nation who marched through the breadth of the earth to seize dwellings not their own. Wait a minute. Time out. What? The Chaldeans? You're like, what does that have to do with anything? Otherwise known as the Babylonians. Maybe you've heard of them if you've read the book of Daniel. The Babylonians are the plan? You mean the same Babylonians who would eventually capture Daniel, throw his friends in the furnace, and persecute them for their faith and everything else? That's your plan? That's the plan, God? Can we just take a step back and try that again? Right? That's your plan? And of course, Habakkuk didn't know all that exactly would happen yet. But he knew enough at this point that Babylon, nothing too good was going to come from them. Because at this time, Babylon was still rising to power. And I mean, what's crazy to me is God spends more time in this chapter describing how terrible they are than giving them comfort. I mean, look at how God describes the Babylonians in verses 6 through 11. I'm just kind of bullet point up there. Bitter and hasty nation. They have a desire to conquer everything in front of them. They are dreaded and fearsome. They define their own versions of justice. They are equipped beyond your comprehension. <laughs> they desire violence intently. They are a force to be reckoned with. They move like the wind and they reject God because their own strength is their God. Okay, I get it. That's your plan. Let me ask you this. Do you think this is the answer Habakkuk wanted? I'm going to go with a big old nope. This is probably the opposite of what he wanted to hear. You're going to use that wicked nation, the one that you clearly described very articulately, God? That is the plan? Really? So why would God use Babylon to answer Habakkuk's prayers? When the Babylonians eventually rose to power and came against Judah, they came sent by the Lord. Look at what Jeremiah prophesied in chapter 25. Behold, I will send for all the tribes of the north, declares the Lord. And for Nebuchadnezzar, the king of Babylon, my servant, and I will bring them against this land and its inhabitants. God's like, are you ready for this? That wicked nation is the one that I'm actually going to use to address the very concerns you have right now regarding the injustice of Judah. And you see, all Habakkuk sees is a detour, but all God sees is their deliverance. And God already had Habakkuk's concerns addressed before he even expressed them. I mean, he might not have liked the plan very much, but God already had this plan in motion because this is God's sovereignty at work. God already had an answer to his prayer long before he even prayed for it. And that's how amazing our God is. And that's why... Verse five, God says, wonder and be astounded. 
God saying, I am concerned about the injustice in Judah. In fact, look to the nations and be amazed because I'm already working on a plan to bring justice. And you want to know what that plan is? It's Babylon. Yes, that wicked, nasty nation. That's my plan. But what's amazing is that even before Babylon had fully risen to power, even before they end up conquering Judah, God already declared that Babylon would be defeated. A few verses later in Jeremiah 25, he says, Then after 70 years are completed, I will punish the king of Babylon and that nation in the land of the Chaldeans for their iniquity, declares the Lord, making the land an everlasting waste. So what's happening here? God already had an answer to Habakkuk's prayer, and God already had a plan to defeat the nation. And so before his lament here, God already had the answer to his prayer in motion and the answer to his next prayer. Before the nation even rose to power and conquered Judah, God says, yeah, I'm sending Babylon to answer your prayer. And guess what? Babylon's already defeated and they haven't even conquered you yet. Church, that's how good our God is. He has answers to our prayers that we haven't even prayed yet. He has answers to our prayers we don't even know we will have yet. God in his sovereignty, he knows a week from now what I'm going to be praying, and guess what? God's already working on it. Don't miss this. God has answers to our prayers that we haven't even prayed yet. He has answers and he's working on prayers we don't even know we have yet. And that's why after everything Job went through, he says, I know that you can do all things and that no purpose of yours can be thwarted. And there's certainly a lot more that we can unpack here in this chapter. But I want to spend some time on how do we respond to Habakkuk 1? What do, we, what do we do with this? So I want to share five points of application for us. Number one, neglecting and rejecting God's word leads to judgment and consequences. In other words, nothing good. Neglecting and rejecting God's word leads to nothing good. Everything that Habakkuk is crying out about is primarily the result of the people and the leaders of Judah neglecting and rejecting God's word and direction. They said, you know what? We're not going to follow the Lord, and this is where they're at. So often in our lives when we face trial and hardship, it's self-inflicted, and I'm not saying that all the time, but many times in our lives, we face trials and they're self-inflicted. We can get angry at God for things that we have failed in. We get mad at God for something that God's like, why aren't you doing something about that? Let me give you an example. I've met with a lot of students over the years who will share with me, you know, I'm feeling really alone and disconnected. And so in conversation with them, I'll ask them, well, are you actively attending and seeking to get involved in church? No. 
Are you taking time to read and abide in God's word daily? No. Are you taking time to pray? No. Hey, I noticed you haven't been at Bible study in a couple weeks. What have you been up to? Playing video games? Have you reached out to your friends about how you're feeling? No. The few times that you have been to church, do you arrive early to connect with people? No. Do you stay after and try to talk with people? No. I just make a beeline for the door afterwards. Are you serving anywhere? No. And you wonder why you feel alone and disconnected. (laughs) If we intentionally neglect and reject what God asks of us, we can't be surprised when we face trials. And so I encourage him, well, if you're looking to get connected, then get connected, serve, get here early, talk to people, grab a coffee at the cafe, look around. There's lots of people who are here to hang out and talk to and to connect with. Maybe instead of at amen at the end of the service and running out the door, maybe you stop and talk to somebody. It's okay. It's okay to greet people outside of greeting time. You know that? I just want to let you know that's okay. And so, church, if we neglect and reject God's word, what do we expect is going to happen? And so we must take time to know what he's asked of us and commit to following him. All right, so number two, we must go to God in prayer no matter how we feel or where we're at. In this time of uncertainty and unrest, Habakkuk turns to God and not away from him. I mean, he's struggling to understand what God is doing, but at no point does Habakkuk doubt who God is. In fact, he anchors his faith in his covenant keeping, in the covenant keeping nature of God. And in verse 12, he ends up saying, are you not from everlasting, O Lord, my God, my Holy One, we shall not die? Because if they died, if the nation of Judah died, the hope for a Messiah would die too. He knew the Messiah would come from them, and so he knew no matter how bad things got with the Babylonians, it wouldn't be bad enough to wipe them out because God promised a Messiah, and he wouldn't do anything to break his own promise. And so friends, don't allow your confusion in the middle of unexpected detours to lead you to doubt who your God is. And you might be thinking, well, it's a lot easier for Habakkuk because God actually, you know, spoke to him and gave him some direction, gave him the plan, right? I mean, wouldn't that be a lot easier? Well, church, God has spoken. The question is, are you listening? God has spoken. We have the plan. The plans are right in front of us. Might not be exactly to a detail for your life, but God has the plans in front of us. There's a whole book filled with his words. God has spoken. And so we read and we cling to what he has said. And that's why we put such an emphasis on the word of God, because it is our foundation. So God has spoken. The question is, are you listening? Number three. Oftentimes, the unexpected detour is actually God's answer and deliverance. And this can be a hard one to process sometimes. Often, 
times the unexpected detour is actually God's answer and deliverance. Habakkuk wanted God to do something, and God was doing something. He had a plan, and that plan was Babylon. And remember, God always has a plan. And even if it's not our plan, his plan is best. Why? Because he is God. And I'm not going to stand here and pretend to say that everything in your life that might be going wrong and hard is not easy to navigate. It is difficult. But perhaps God is doing a work in your life right now and we don't even realize it. God always has a plan, even if it's not our plan. And be ready for God's plan to leave you in wonder and to be astounded. Be ready for his plan to leave you speechless. I'm gonna give you an example of this. My senior year in college, when I was a missionary reaching out to college students, there was one day in particular that I was having a really, really hard day. Nothing seemed to be going right. I was battling a lot of discouragement, questioning if I was making the right decisions. I was tired. I didn't have a lot of food. My apartment was falling apart. I think my bathroom tiles were leaking and all kinds of things. And it just felt like when I came in and things were leaking, it just felt like that was a representation of my life at that point. You know, everything was just kind of crumbling. And so this, this day, that was really hard. At this point, it was 2 a.m. and I was at my desk working on schoolwork. And all day, it was just a rough day. I worked all day trying to meet and connect with students, do all kinds of things. And then on top of that, I was doing schoolwork full-time to finish up. And so it was 2 a.m. and I was working at my desk and the light bulb in my desk lamp blew. So I got up, frustrated, naturally, and I went over to the closet to grab another. And being the smart guy I was, I opened up and I saw the box of light bulbs and I went, ha-ha, grabbed it. It was empty. It was my reminder to get more light bulbs. And so at 2 a.m., long, hard day, the light bulb blew my desk lamp. I got up frustrated. And when I went to the closet, there were no light bulbs. And do you ever have something happen to you that in reality seems so insignificant, but to you, that was just the last straw? That light bulb was the last straw. I lost it. I was yelling at God. I was crying. I was angry confused. I didn't know what to do. God, I'm trying to finish school. I'm trying to serve you with my life. This is where I'm living. This is what I'm doing. I'm here at 2 a.m. trying to be faithful to the commitments you've asked me to do. And this is how you're going to reward me. This, what, what am I doing? God, what are you doing? I was, so, I was so mad, so many tears. And for whatever reason, I had remembered that I hadn't checked the mail that day. And so I just thought I need a, I need a, need a mental break. So I walked out, checked the mail, came back inside. And my mailbox had some junk mail and there's a little box in there. So I came inside and I took the pile of stuff and I threw it on the table. And, and then I looked back and I thought, what was that box? Did I order something? I was confused. So I 
Walked over, I opened it. And do you know what was inside that box? Next slide, please. I'm not making this up. I promise you. There's a light bulb at 2 a.m. in my mailbox. There's a light bulb. I was so confused. I ran outside. I was looking around. Like, this has to be some sort of joke or something, right? Maybe my neighbor was like, oh, my word. Here's a light bulb. When I opened the box, there was a note, and the note said this, thanks for switching to online bill pay. As our way of saying thanks, here's an LED light bulb on us. And what was crazy is, six months ago is when I switched to online bill pay. You know when they say, we'll give you a free something, and then you know it's never going to come. Apparently six months was the day. But this was the day that that light bulb came. And there at 2 a.m., in my distress, God reminded me of his faithfulness. My tears of anger turned into tears of joy, and I was crying over a light bulb. And (laughs) now I'm crying over a light bulb. But that light bulb was a reminder to me that God was working in my life and leading me. And he had not forgotten about me. He had a plan to provide that light bulb for me long before that day came. And I still have that light bulb on my desk today reminding me of God's faithfulness. God is faithful. So number four. God always has a plan. It's not that God has the next step figured out. It's that God has the entire plan. The prayers you're going to pray two weeks, five years, 10 years, 30 years, 50 years from now, God already has answers to and has plans in motion. And to think otherwise is to not understand who our God is. The prayers that you're gonna pray weeks and months from now, God already is working on those. Doesn't mean we shouldn't pray and say, well, God's got to take care of it. No, we run to God. Habakkuk runs to God. But we trust in who God is. And number five, often the answer to our prayers is not the answer we may want. God's answer for Habakkuk was probably not at all what he wanted. And in fact, later on in the chapter, he's not too thrilled with God's plan. But remember, God can use anything and anyone to accomplish his purposes. And if God could use this wicked nation to answer Habakkuk's prayer, then we should remember that God can use anything and anyone to accomplish his purposes. And so when God answers your prayers with answers that you may not want, how should we respond? Faithfully, actively trust him. And when you face an unexpected detour in life, look to God, not the road. Look to God and not the road. And remember, no matter what you're facing right now, praise God that the ultimate sorrow that we face, eternal separation from God, has been taken care of. The answer is Jesus. 
It's through Jesus Christ that we can have a restored relationship with God. And no matter what we go through, God is with us. And even if we are in a relationship with Jesus, we will still face trial. But praise God, he has a plan. God has a plan. Because one day, Satan will be defeated for good. Judgment will come upon evil and injustice. And there will be a place with no more fear, tears, pain, and struggle. And God is already preparing this place. We know how the story ends. We already sang that and declared it. We know how the story ends. And these realities are for those who have placed their faith in Christ. Have you? Church, we find strength and joy knowing that it's okay to look at the end of the story. It's okay to flip to the end of the book. God has a plan. And whatever you're navigating right now, remember, it's okay to look to the end of the story because it will help us remain steadfast and faithful now and until then. Because remember what God told Habakkuk, I am doing a work in your days that you would not believe if told. And similarly, God is currently at work in ways that you probably wouldn't believe. I think God doesn't often reveal all of his plans to us because what we try to do, resist and change the plans, right? And plus he wants us to trust him, to have faith in him. God is at work and he is working right now even if you don't feel it or see it. God is at work. And that's why I personally would encourage you to come this Tuesday evening to our celebration service where we're going to share testimonies and praise God of how he has worked this past year. I promise you, you are going to walk away encouraged. Because if we had to take all the time to share about everything that God is doing in and through our church, It'd be, it'd be a really long service to go through everything because God is doing a lot and we praise him for it. And that's what we're going to do Tuesday. So I'd encourage you to please come on out. And so whatever detour you're facing right now, know that God's got that detour in his hand. He's got you in his hands. He's got his plans for you and for his glory already in motion. And so remember the story of Abdul that I talked about earlier. I don't know for sure if he ever made a profession of faith. I hope and pray that he did at some point. Well, after his passing, there was a student who was good friends with him and his name was Clarence. And Clarence approached me and he had a lot of questions about God in light of his friend's passing. And so Clarence and I started to meet up and do a Bible study together And eventually, Clarence placed his faith in Jesus. And what was mind-blowing to me was that Clarence was also on the basketball team, and he began to share the gospel with his teammates. And many of the basketball team came to our Bible studies and heard the gospel. And there were even, even others on the basketball team that placed their faith in Christ too. And this opened up more doors for me to be on campus, work with students, and the gospel spread mightily. So many open doors and conversations happened 
after that. God was doing a revival. And even in the midst of that hardship, God still used Abdul's life to do a work in Clarence's life. Who God then used to start a revival on the basketball team and then open up doors for gospel ministry on campus and for other students to have their lives changed. And there were a lot of students who placed their faith in Jesus. So friends, remember, when we face an unexpected detour, we must respond in faith, knowing that God has been, currently is, and will be at work. At the end of this conversation with God, look at what Habakkuk says in chapter 3. This is what he says at the end of this conversation. Though the fig tree should not blossom, nor fruit be on the vines, the produce of the olive fail in the fields, yield no food, the flock be cut off from the fold, and there will be no herd in the stalls. Yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will take joy in the God of my salvation. God, the Lord is my strength. He makes my feet like the deer's. He makes me tread on my high places. Even though things are still not going well, things are not looking well, yet I will rejoice in the Lord. And so what's amazing is that God didn't actually change his circumstances. And in the short term, they actually get worse. But God changed his heart and his perspective. And so your circumstances don't need to change for you to experience the fullness of joy found in Jesus. Even in the midst of trials and unexpected detours, we can find joy, strength, and renewed hope because we find all of that in God, not our circumstances. Our circumstances don't dictate our joy. God does. And so we can rejoice in the Lord, the God of our salvation. Jesus Christ. In a couple weeks, when Easter comes, we're going to celebrate that together. As we prepare to respond to God's word in worship, remember, you will walk through hard times. You will face trials. You will see injustice. You will journey through storms. You will have to navigate unexpected detours. But the Lord is able. He is faithful. God is on his throne at work right now. God is always at work. He always has a plan and he's always one billion steps ahead of us. I don't know any other bigger numbers. All right, keep going. But what should our response be? Trust him. Trust him. That should be our response. And the question I want to leave you with is will you trust him? Will you trust him? And that's not always easy. Sometimes the most active steps of faith you can do is to just take time to pray when you don't want to. To take time to open God's word when the last person you'd rather talk to right now is God. Will you trust him? Friends, God is at work. 
Will you trust him? Let's pray. Lord Jesus, thank you for who you are. Thank you for your word. Thank you that your word reveals to us who you are, your plans, your purposes. God, your word is like guardrails in our lives. It's an anchor to our soul that just wants to wander. And God, whatever each and every one of us are going through right now, may we be reminded of the truth that you are on the throne. You are at work right now. We may not like what's going on. God, help us to trust you. Help us to look to you for wisdom and strength. Help us to cry out to you. God, we know you're at work. Help us to trust you. God, help us to trust you. In this world, we will face trials and sorrows, but take heart because you have overcome the world. So may our response be to trust you. And as we prepare to respond in worship, may we declare mightily that you are on the throne and you are sovereign over all. It's in your name we pray. Amen.